TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to Face Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080, Light 100.5, WRCH and 96.5 TIC. Our guest this morning is outgoing Mayor of Hartford, Mayor Luke Bronin, who will be leaving office on December 31st. In this exit interview with him, I asked Mayor Bronin about a number of topics from his eight years of leadership. When he began in 2016, he was a political newcomer who people felt wouldn't make it. But certainly he got the attention of residents in Hartford and won over their hearts. One of his earliest goals was to reunite the city's various communities together, which he's worked on over the last eight years. I asked him how he began that process. And there was a sense of zero sum that, you know, what was good for one neighborhood was bad for another. So a big part of what I wanted to try to build was a, a sense of common spirit and common mission and common identity that no matter where you live in the city, uh, no matter where you're from, that, that we're one Hartford and that in most parts of the country, in most cities, the entire city of Hartford would be one neighborhood and, uh, and that we can work and fight to build up our neighborhoods. But at the same time, we've got to see that uh, we, we should celebrate success wherever it happens in the city and recognize that in this small capital city, uh, we, we rise or fall together. And I think we've made a lot of progress in, in doing that. I also think that uh, it has been important to help folks from throughout the region, including a lot of people who had roots in Hartford, who had you know family that was from Hartford but may have left the city, to rediscover Hartford, to re-engage with it, and to remember everything that is in this city and everything the city has to offer. And a part of the way that we did both of those things, to celebrate the diversity of our culture, to create a sense of common identity in our city, and to get folks from around the region and the state to re-engage and rediscover Hartford was through arts and culture and uh, really putting art and culture at the center of Hartford. When Mayor Bronin took office in 2016, the construction of Duncan Park was underway, but it was far from complete. I asked the mayor, how he was able to see it to completion, and how it's impacted Hartford since. When I took office, uh, that project was underway but was off the rails. You know, the city had bonded a significant amount of money to build the ballpark. Uh, my uh, predecessor had selected a contractor or developer that really didn't have any experience in building baseball 
parks and the project was way over budget and way behind schedule and really at risk of not happening at all. And so that consumed a lot of attention for those first six months was just getting that project to a place where there was a possibility of actually having a ballpark and getting it done you know, with minimum burden on the city taxpayers. And we were able to get that done. And, uh, and I think you've seen that uh, it has made a real difference in bringing thousands and thousands of people in. And what we've focused on beyond that is trying to deliver on the, the next part of the promise, which is the development around the baseball park that will help connect the downtown to the neighborhoods north of downtown, Clay Arsenal, Upper Albany, Northeast. When I sat down with the mayor in his office at City Hall, I brought up a 2015 article in Connecticut Public, he hadn't been elected mayor yet, that said that he did not have a lot of organizational structure ready in the event he did take office, which happened. I asked him how he was able to form the administration and keep that going for eight years successfully. I think one of the most important jobs of uh, anybody in a mayor's office is to build a team. You know, this is not a job that you can do alone or that you can try to do alone. And uh, I'm really proud of the team that we've built. It's, it's a team that uh, is full of people who I think are doing this work for the right reasons, who care deeply about the city, care deeply about the the mission. And, um, and I think when there's a sense that you know you can be part of a team that's trying to do something big, trying to do something that really matters. That helps you bring in great people. You know, great people want to be around other people who share their sense of um, of of purpose and mission and ambition for the work that they're doing. And I think that's that's what we were able to build. You know, like any team, we've had our strengths and weaknesses, and we've had changes over time. But overall, I'm I'm incredibly proud and grateful for the team that we've had. And one of the things I'll miss most about this job is not working side by side uh, the men and women who are part of this team. When Mayor Bronin took office, the finances in the city were pretty grim. The city was on the brink of bankruptcy. Sitting down with the mayor, I brought up the finances of the city and how he was able to rescue Hartford. The city of Hartford was deeply insolvent. It was not legally bankrupt, but it was financially bankrupt. And it wasn't just that the city was facing a deficit in one particular year. It was that it was facing uh, a sea of red ink going out indefinitely with no hope of being able to sustain the core services that a community deserves. Uh, and for many years, uh, administrations had kind of papered that over, you know, pushing out debt obligations, delaying payments, uh, things that bought a little bit of time but didn't address the fundamental problems. And uh, we were determined to try to tackle it in a different way, to, to say that we're not just going to buy time. We want to build a stronger foundation. Now, the, the roots of Hartford's fiscal challenges back then were, were many and were deep. You, know, you have a, a small city that uh, has half of the property in the city non-taxable in a state where property tax is the only source of locally generated revenue. We're also a city with an intense concentration of poverty, which means that there's enormous need uh, without the resource base to help meet those needs. But beyond that, the city had raised taxes over the years to the point that it wasn't responsible to raise them anymore, had pushed out debt to the point that you couldn't possibly responsibly push it out anymore. And even if you could, I didn't want to do those things. I wanted to make sure that we were uh, tackling this in a longer term way that would give us a fighting chance of growing and attracting investment and being successful. 
And we did that in a number of ways. You know, the first thing we did was make some really difficult decisions and some really difficult cuts. You know, those those first few years, we made some very deep and painful cuts. And you know, we're fully transparent about that with our community. But that means our, our, our community participated in that work in a, in a really uh, uh, significant uh, and sometimes painful way. Uh, we asked our unions to come to the table in a big way, and they did. Uh, and I'm incredibly grateful to them. We asked our companies to step up and our biggest companies made a significant financial contribution over a five-year period towards a sustainability plan. And of course, we partnered with the state uh, in a really critical historic partnership uh, that resulted in uh, you know, the, the state uh, taking on the uh, payment for the long-term bonded debt obligation. You know, that, that alone didn't come close to solving the problems, but it was a critically important piece of it. So we were able to build those partnerships and work together to lay a different foundation. You know, I talked a lot about bankruptcy back then because I wanted to be very clear that one way or another, we were going to get to the root of this problem, that we were going to try to give the city a chance, not just to buy time, but to address the issue uh, in a way that would give us a foundation we could build on. Uh, and we are in a fundamentally different place today. But I want to say, as I've said many, many times, that progress is real, but it's fragile. You know, we're still a poor city. We're still a city where half the property is non-taxable. We're also a city that is now contending with new challenges, like the crisis in the commercial real estate market that followed the COVID-19 pandemic. So there are uh, vulnerabilities, there are risks, but I also am confident that we can maintain the progress we've made. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take continued rigor in budgeting and management. It's going to take continued transparency about you know, what risks we face and how we're going to go after them. I hope, though, that we've helped to build a culture inside City Hall and an expectation in the community that that's the way this city is going to go about its business. And I think if we do that, then we'll be able to sustain the progress and, and preserve the foundation that we built. Mayor Bronin brought up challenges in commercial real estate. I asked him what that means. The issue isn't so much vacant storefronts. We've actually made a lot of progress in, in activating vacant space, space that was vacant for decades and space that became vacant during the pandemic. Um, you know, if you look at Pratt Street, for example, right at the heart of downtown, uh, for the first time in decades, all of those spaces are leased up, and you can feel that energy, uh, and uh, and you can see it as you walk down the street. What is different now, though, is that there are tens of thousands of people who used to be coming to work in office buildings every day who aren't here. and. That's the real challenge, both to the commercial real estate market and and uh, and that means also to the tax base, but also just to the sense of uh, vitality and feet on the street that you need to support and sustain the retail and the restaurants and the coffee shops. Uh, so to me, the mission is clear. We know we're not going to have as many people in office buildings for a long time, and that means we need to triple down on residential development. If you don't have people working in the offices, you need people living in and around the heart of the city, and that happens by aggressively going after uh, mixed income, mixed-use development, as we have for the last eight years, to try to make sure we've got that critical mass of people living in and around uh, the, the city center. We have to be equally focused on those projects in our neighborhoods and economic development and housing opportunity throughout our city. But since the question is focused on you know commercial real estate and vacancy in downtown, the way we battle that is by creating critical mass of, of residential units in and around the downtown so that you have the, the, the people living there 24-7 that can create the energy and the vitality and the feet on the street that you need.
I then shifted the conversation in the mayor's office to health, but I made sure that we talked about non-COVID issues and separately COVID. Let's start with the mayor's goals for health in Hartford before COVID-19. Before COVID, I would say that the overwhelming public health crisis uh, was the opioid epidemic and, uh, and then trying to help our community manage chronic diseases. You know, you have uh, higher, disproportionately higher rates of asthma, of, uh, of obesity, uh, of chronic conditions that have really significant health impacts. And also the, the basic quality of life issues that are the intersection of health and, and quality of life, things like you know, remediation of lead in homes. Uh, so those are some of the things that we were intensely focused on prior to the pandemic and try to stay focused on through the pandemic and, and remain focused on now. You know, the opioid epidemic has ravaged so many communities of all kinds, rural, suburban, urban, all across this country. But we've felt that burden here, you know, particularly as a city that the place that provides almost all the services in the region, whether you're talking about healthcare services at hospitals, whether you're talking about emergency shelters, whether you're talking about transitional housing, uh, or even you know, uh, de-restricted low-income housing, and all the social service providers, whether they're provided by state or, or public entities or by nonprofit entities, so much of that is concentrated here, which also means that uh, people who need those services come here, and we're proud to do that work of supporting those who are Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Most vulnerable. Uh, but I think it's important to say that you know, those, those challenges need to be recognized as uh, not the challenges of a city, but the challenges of a society, and that we, as a region and as a state, I think need to do more to tackle those. And then we did shift over to a conversation about COVID-19. I asked the mayor about the earliest memories he has of the COVID-19 pandemic in March of 2020. You know, I think like everybody at the beginning of COVID, uh, we assumed it was going to be pretty short-lived, that we'd have to do some, uh, you know, quick and serious uh, interventions to try to stop the spread that uh, that was clearly accelerating. But I don't think many of us imagined that we would be dealing with it for years. Uh, I think the first time that really uh, 
came home just how different a challenge we were dealing with was when it became clear that we needed to reschedule the St. Patrick's Day Parade, uh, which was the first big gathering of people that was scheduled to happen you know, immediately after the, the beginning of the pandemic here. And, uh, you know, I think that was a, the, the, the inflection point when, you know, we, I think, shifted into a different gear, that we're going to have to do things that we'd never done before, that we're going to have to you know, make sure that we were putting safety above all else. And then, of course, the the most consequential and difficult decision was uh, to close schools for those early months uh, of 2020. And uh, I, I think there's no question that we all recognized then that we were dealing with a different challenge than anybody in America had had to deal with for many, many, many years. Uh, but I'm also really proud that you know our team was committed to making sure that this community had as much access or more to to testing and ultimately to vaccines as any community anywhere. Uh, and that we worked hard to strike the right balance. You know, I, I looking back at 2020, I'm proud that we were able to keep uh, an in-person school option available to families as of the fall of 2020. You know, in a lot of cities and states, that just wasn't true. In Hartford, as of the fall of 2020, there was an in-person option. Now, there were many family who, families who didn't choose it, but that option was there, and I think that was really important. Mayor Bronin's second term in office began about a year before COVID would affect the city, the country, and the world. A major goal of his second term was to regionalize Hartford more with neighboring cities and towns. COVID-19 obviously disrupted that, but now, four years and a pandemic later, my question is how incoming Mayor Aruna Naralampalam could work toward that goal. It's hard to look back at that time because we had so much momentum. You know, I think after we had done the work of battling the fiscal crisis in an honest and serious and transparent way and laid a new foundation, we then started to uh, get some real momentum. We had investment coming into the city for the first time in a long time. You had um, companies moving in. You had uh, a lot of people rediscovering the city and coming back in, whether it was for Yard Goats games or for uh, cultural events. And then we smacked into the COVID wall. And of course, COVID caused all of us to retreat back into our homes, into our communities. Uh, It resulted in this incredibly significant shift to hybrid work and remote work that we're still contending with. So there's no question that COVID slowed down our momentum, pressed pause on it. But I also think that we're regaining that momentum now. And you know, one of the lessons that I take from the years pre-COVID is that when you put the, piece, the pieces in place for a revival and a recovery, things can happen a lot faster than people think they could. You know, if you look back to 2016 and 2017 when we were uh, facing a historic fiscal crisis and and battling through it. Uh, it's important to remember that just a couple years after that, we had some of the most significant momentum and investment and energy and influx of people that we'd had in decades. So it happened really quickly. And I think that uh, that's happening again now, and we need to accelerate it. More recently, the city of Hartford has had nearly three dozen homicides in 2023. The city police union has been critical of the Bronin administration and also Chief Jason Thody, specifically on retention issues, which they argue is leading to more crime in Hartford. My question to Mayor Bronin, how do you address these concerns and what's your advice to the Arulampalam administration? In the wake of the pandemic, you saw cities across the country uh, battling a spike in gun violence that uh, was unprecedented. And uh, and it hit us hard, too. And I think that people are going to be 
examining that for a long time uh, to understand what drove it. I think there was a, a, a nasty, complex tangle of causes, everything from just the complete disruption of life in every way, social and economic life turning upside down, uh, the uncertainty and fear that came with the pandemic, um, the um, the national conversation about policing that followed the murder of George Floyd. Um, and uh, and I think the fact that uh, coming from the disruption uh, of all sort of aspects of life, social, economic, you're still seeing, I think, people operating with a shorter fuse. You know, you see in everything from road rage to people on airplanes uh, acting crazy to much more significant and, and tragic uh, um, manifestations like domestic violence and community gun violence. Uh, as a city, we have never done more to address gun violence, both through the law enforcement uh, work and through community partnerships, things like hospital-based violence intervention effort, which is a national best practice, the community intervention uh, and and violence interruption work to identify disputes and de-escalate them working with community partners. Uh, providing individualized support uh, and intervention with those who are most at risk of being involved in gun violence. And at the same time, our police have done more than ever before to take illegal guns off the street. They've taken more illegal guns off the street over the last few years than ever before. Uh, And they've also dramatically increased the solve rate for uh, non-fatal shootings, which was a really important Uh, thing to do because you have to demonstrate accountability and consequences if someone is uh, committing acts of violence in this community. Uh, I do think that we as a state also needed to do more in this past spring. We made some progress on treating repeat serious firearm offenders more seriously. And we saw time and again individuals in our community who were responsible for acts of violence and gun violence again and again and all too often committing those acts of gun violence while they were out on probation or parole or pretrial release. Together with a group of mayors this past spring, we advocated for some legislative changes that I think will make a difference over time. Uh, And I think we need to continue all of that work, the focus on good, quality, effective law enforcement work to take guns off the street and to solve crimes, to make sure that our court system is treating it seriously when people are responsible for gun violence in communities and to continue getting at the roots of the issue uh, with community partnerships. And and that includes, you know, not just the, the immediate violence uh, interruption and de-escalation, uh, but uh, things like our reentry welcome center, our youth service corps, things that are meant to help address some of the deeper causes that, uh, that underlie violence in this and, and so many other communities. Being a mayor is definitely a 24-7 job, and Luke Bronin has done it now for eight years. One might imagine that he's excited to spend more time with family and friends. I've loved this job. I, I it There's no question that it's a, it's a tough job, and it has some really challenging moments. But I love this job, and I love this city, and I'm going to miss it a lot, and I'm going to miss the team that I get to work with. But I'm also looking forward to uh, getting a little uh, time and space uh, just to enjoy time with my, my family and also to... to clear my head a little bit and and reflect on the last eight years and and think about what's next. But uh, I'm also thankful that I get to do that, uh, knowing that the next mayor uh, is going to be committed to continuing 
the work we've done and moving it forward. You know, I, you put so much of yourself into a job like this if you do it right. It, it is all-consuming if you do it right. And it's hard to leave it, uh, but it makes it a lot easier to leave it when you know you're handing it over to somebody who shares uh, your vision for where this city can go and shares a commitment to getting it there. And one might also wonder what the future has for outgoing Hartford Mayor Luke Bronin now that his eight years in office has reached an end. In 2018, Bronin explored a run for governor. I asked him if that was a job that he would consider. I've loved this job. I love public service. I love trying to figure out how to solve problems and moving forward. I don't rule anything in or out at this point. Uh, but um, but right now, uh, I'm looking forward to running through the tape and handing this city off to the next team in as strong a shape as possible. Asked about final thoughts, Mayor Bronin says. In addition to the work that we did to try to put Hartford on a firmer fiscal foundation, you know, there's some initiatives that, that we pursued and some things that we built that I hope will make a real difference over the long term as well. You know, we, from the very beginning, were determined to build a, a new opportunity for young people in this city. And we saw a real gap, which was that first uh, opportunity to get employment. And so we built the Hartford Youth Service Corps, which uh, we funded at first with purely philanthropic dollars. We went out and built it because we were facing bankruptcy, but we still wanted to make sure we built this for Hartford's young people. And working together with our piece of the pie and with a lot of uh, funders, we were able to start something that has grown into something really important. And that's the Hartford Youth Service Corps. It's created year-round part-time employment for thousands of kids in Hartford at this point. And in a city of 120,000 people, you know, having 2,000 young people who've had the opportunity to be part of the Youth Service Corps get that experience of earning a paycheck while at the same time making a difference in their community and getting connected to mentorship and, and counseling and support and a team that's helping them make a plan for what comes next. That makes a big difference, you know, especially when you're talking uh, about a program that's not just first come, first serve. It's specifically designed for those young people who may have fallen off track, who most need that uh, engagement and that opportunity to get back on track. So I'm really proud of that. And that's just one thing. You know, if you look at our reentry welcome center, which uh, is, is something that we created so that those who are coming back to our community after making mistakes and serving their time would have a better chance of actually building a successful life. And that matters for them. It also matters for our whole community, for a safer, stronger community. And that's something that's being replicated in towns and cities uh, around the state now. All of those things that we've built, uh, I think, have made a difference, but will continue to make a difference if we continue to invest in them and help them grow. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.